Lord, I thank you for, uh, for Josh and, Lord, all the, just the youth ministers, obviously the youth pastors and uh, Chase and um, all their team. Lord, I thank you for them. But I, I do pray, Lord, that you would just continue to give them your favor. Lord, and I'm so excited about um, just what you're doing in the midst of them. Lord, that you're touching lives and you're changing hearts. Lord, and you take people from broken places and restore them. Lord, it's such a miracle. Lord, thank you for saving them and healing them, and I pray that you'd continue to bring, Lord, them to the calling and the purpose that you have for them. Lord, because there's so much in that video, not just uh, um, the testimony of what he's done and what you've done in his life, Lord, but what he's becoming. He's a, he's a light. He's a testimony. He's answering his purpose. He's uh, influencing. He's leading. Lord, he's uh, walking in your power. That's so amazing. It's so fun and so f- awesome to watch, Lord. We just praise you in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, good morning to you. Uh, you know, I have to be. I have to make one confession, and that is, um, whenever we have things like Easter and um, you know a lot of the Christian traditions, it's probably the most uncomfortable I ever feel in church. And and the reason is, is because I always feel inadequate uh, because I feel like I'm so not traditional. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, that uh, I, I almost feel when I hear everyone talk about it, and I go, "Well, this is the, you know, this is the Passion Week, and this Palm Sunday, and we got to do this." And I'm going like, "Yeah, I've, I've read that part lots of times." Like, so there's a special celebration for it. And they go, "Yeah, okay, <laughs> let's do it." But I know that there are people who are raised in the church that that, that it's so normal for them, like it's so this is what we do. And, it, and I always feel like, gosh, you know, we should probably get someone else preaching this week. <laughs> not, not because I, I don't know the topic. I love the topic and what it means. Um, but I don't... Um, it's not the, the, the tradition of it that appeals to me. But when we talk about Palm Sunday, to me it's the victory that it speaks. That, that it declares salvation, and I hate to say it this way, but to the losers. Right? that are in the crowd. How many are with me there a little bit? Come on. That, and I, I don't mean it like you loser. I, I'm, I'm, ta- I'm talking in the spirit of what Joss was sharing. That, that we've had lives where we've had to speak all kinds of lies to cover our tracks. Uh, you know, we, we've got pain that we've had to uh, cover or medicate or whatever uh, to get through. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of discouragement and disillusionment and lack of direction. And when Christ comes in to Jerusalem, um, you know, just like the Old Testament, I'll, I'll give you a scripture in, where Jehu was crowned king and they throw the palm branches on the ground. That, that Jesus himself is making this declaration, guess what? I am the king. I am the king. I am the conquering king. I am the victorious king. And this is exciting. Amen? Now, how many kids out there? Is there kids out there? How many like to have your own donkey at home? Come on. Okay. No, not your brother. He's not a donkey. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so this is exactly what Jesus is declaring. He's declaring, can you say it with me? Just say victory. victory. C- can you say salvation? salvation. That, that he is the conqueror. Amen? And can you say this and say, the Lord has been revealed. I mean, that is one of the biggest statements. And it's one of the biggest controversies, really, is when it says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we're going to kind of go through this scripture. But blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That, that is the statement that culminates there in Luke 19, uh, verse 40. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That, that Jesus is not just a, a good teacher. He's just not, you know, a, a great, you know, political maneuverer. But he's someone who is coming in, in the name of the Father. He is that he is the Lord revealed. He is the Lord manifest in the flesh. He is God putting on humanity, taking our place. And now victoriously, he's basically marching to the cross where he's going to make his statement that says, my people are forgiven. My people are loved. I've seen what they are and the lack of victory they've uh, you know, accomplished in their life. And I tell you, I am the victor. I am the one who's conquered this. And if you're like me, I go through periods in my life where I start to take back my own life, not purposefully, you know, like, you know, I just want to be in charge. I just get overwhelmed with things and I think, okay, Lord, I got to just take charge. And I keep forgetting that the Lord is actually king over every circumstance. Do I hear an amen? amen. Now, this, this scripture that I'm going to be going through, Luke 19, 30 through 40, is, is basically, it's one of the few in the text that's in all four of the gospels. So it's, it's in every gospel and that means it has this triumphal entry has some great significance, don't you think? That that it's that, and you, and it kind of covers each aspect of of what Christ is trying to accomplish and what He's done. But the main thing is victory. So let me just start with a little bit of a, a prayer and then an introduction. Um, Father, I thank you uh, that your first of all your entry, Lord, into Jerusalem signifies that you are King. And Lord, I don't want you just to be a king or the king. I want you to be my king. Lord, I want you to be king over my life. I want you to be king over my heart. And Lord, I want you to be king of my transformation. Lord, that I can't just have repentance, but I need incarnation inside. That you would change me and who I am. Do you agree with that out there? And Lord, we bless you for your declaration that you have conquered sin and death and brought us freedom, that you have given us freedom and brought us out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light. And Lord, that your love pours out over us. And Lord, I think of just even those early crowd that's watching you, Lord, that they're the same ones that are going to be at the crucifixion offering you up. Lord, and that's sometimes how we are. Lord, that um, we can't look just to our own loyalty. We have to look more to your royalty and who you are. Give us and create in us a clean heart today. 
Show us, Lord, your way. Teach us your paths. Show us how to welcome you into our lives. How do we welcome you when you enter into Jerusalem, into our road of life? How do we embrace you? Lord, teach us how to do that. And I pray for the young ones too, what they'll understand and how you can make it applicable to them. I pray that you'd bless them with it. In Jesus' name, do I hear amen? Okay, my topic there is how do I welcome Jesus? And that's really what I want to look at. And I, I, I'm going to approach it from a few different uh, ways. So let's, let's just start with the introduction here. It's not, uh, there we go. Let's just, Luke 19, 30. Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. By the way, I don't think it's an immaculate donkey, you know, because no one's ever ridden it. But, but there, there's, something, there's something about there that, that God is bringing something new. This is a new victory. And, you know, my wife always jokes about, you know, how the Lord, you know, lives in us. And then we kind of ride with him into Jerusalem and God wants to reveal himself. And Jody always tells me, she goes, don't forget, you're just the donkey, how many can relate to that, right? I, I think the donkey, after he's been carrying the Lord for a while, must have been thinking as they were clapping and doing the palm branches, he's going, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm pretty cool, man. I'm a pretty cool donkey. Man, they love me. This is amazing. I am the best. I wonder what made me such a good donkey. I think it was my nutrition. Remember what the other donkeys ate? I ate that. You know, and I wonder was, you know, of course, it's, it's, I'm being facetious here, but we are, are often ambassadors. We bring the Lord with us because he now dwells in us. But don't confuse it. And not, I don't say it to diminish your worth because God obviously loves us and values us. But understanding that the true purity, the true power, the true holiness comes from the Lord King himself. Amen. He says, if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. And, and think about that. That means whoever they're going to go to has been prepared for this message. You know, you know, all of a sudden some guy, I can imagine this guy probably, maybe it's been five years or 10 years or 15 years, and I'm speculating here, but I think it fits the text, where, where he all of a sudden gets this message, this, pro, this prophetic word from Zechariah, becoming fulfilled, and he says, someone comes up to him, and he goes, why are you taking that donkey? You know, he tells him, and he, he says, the Lord needs it. And he goes, oh, okay, so that's what that was about, right? And, and I wonder sometimes if the Lord prepares you, you know, to be able to answer yes way before the important moment comes, and, and how menial this thing is, handing your donkey over. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. There it was. Everything's lined up. You know, God can take the big prophetic picture and make things come and coalesce all together. The book of Revelation, you know, the birth of Jesus Christ, you know, the naming of King Cyrus and the, the old uh, Daniel prophecies, incredible prophecies that God can predict. And, he, and God can even predict some of the little details like, you know, many times people will be looking for their keys or something like that, and my wife will go, Lord, 
where's the keys? Can you show us? And boom, all of a sudden, we, show, we find the keys. Have, has that ever happened to you? Something menial, something simple like that? And, and I'll just keep looking. I'll go, I know it's here somewhere, and then I'll just stop, and I go, okay, Lord, help me find the keys. And how many after you've prayed, all of a sudden, the Lord actually answers? And, and you're thinking to yourself, were you blinding me from the keys? Did you make me stupid so I couldn't understand where the keys were? Right? And then all of a sudden, kaboom, there they are. It's like they've been sitting there the whole time. I knew they were in my pocket. <laughs> and so, so they found it, and as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they just replied again, the Lord needs it. And, and it's like that owner could have just said, hey, it's mine. But, but somehow he knew to give up his own possession for the sake and for the cause of the Lord. And there may be times in your life where the Lord just challenges you and says, you need to let that go. I have other purposes for it. And it's for something. So think about how significant this triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Jesus Christ, not the crucifixion, but him proclaiming himself that I am the king, the conquering king. How significant that event is. And how this little donkey gets to play a role in it. Right? Just this little donkey. And so I, I just want to ask just a couple questions before I get into the meat of what it is. And the first one I want to ask is, who's in the crowd? There's all kinds of people in the crowd uh, there that are going to watch him. And I, and I already said, even in my prayer, that we know that no matter how many people are cheering for Jesus, in the end, it dwindles down to his disciples, the followers. How many want to follow Jesus? Right? And, and I don't want to make it so you just turn to your own loyalty. You know, I'm going to be saved because I'm so loyal. You are not saved because you're loyal. You're not saved because of anything that you do. We're saved because of the cross of Christ. How many say amen again? Amen. This is so true. This is where the power is. So as we looked at, and, and I call these, and I, I, I borrowed the idea from a friend, it calls these the taters. Okay, the first one, who's in the audience? Can everyone say the spectators? The spectators. Now, those are the people that Jesus is going to come in and, and they're going to stand around and they're going to see what happens. Wow, look at, there the Lord comes in. Wow, I think, yeah, he's the king. Wow, that's really cool. But they don't ever follow him. And, and I, I find this very often in the, in the body of Christ. People are born in religious tradition. Um, but it can happen to anybody. You, you start to know who Jesus is, but then you go, oh, I don't know. I want to watch. And I love being a spectator when it comes to sports. How many love watching games? Come on. Football, baseball, hockey, whatever it is that you like to watch. And, and, and you get so into it, and it's fun. But with the Lord, it's a little different. You don't just get to watch. He wants you to engage. He just doesn't want, he doesn't want you to just let you see him be the king and be the Lord and be powerful and do miracles. He wants you to be a part of it. He wants you to be totally connected to it. I put they see the works of God and they know the truth, yet they don't follow him. Spectators may change the channel or the sport at any time. And, and I, have, I, I had a person come up to me, uh, I don't know, a few weeks or so ago at the gym, and they, they walked up, and, and they were, I thought they were following the Lord, but they said, no, I'm following something else now. Now I'm doing this. You know, just like, you know, change the channel. And I thought, okay. And they go, what do you think of that? And I said, well, when you're done with that, <laughs> let me know. 
you know, because it's not going to give the answers. Because they think that Christianity is just like another option. And they'll pick this one or that one. It's kind of like go to the movie theater and you go, oh, I think I'll go to the 1230 showing. I'll get that. What am I going to eat? I'll have the popcorn. You know, okay, I'll have the religion. I don't want it too religious too. I want the good music, but not any control over my life at all. Um, I'll take that. Uh, is there a 1030? You only have 11? Okay, thank you. And is there a discount card? Yeah, we have a free latte that you get when you, that's our, that's our bribe to get you to come back. Yeah, okay. Listen, the Lord didn't show up? Oh, okay, well, here's our latte card. How many know that we don't need a latte card? It's there to bless you. But, but you know what the church actually offers? The presence of the living God together as his body comes together. Amen? Just say, say, the Lord is in me. Not in you. I was talking about me. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's good. That was loud. Okay, so they see the works of God, and they know the truth, yet they don't follow, okay? And then they can change the channel. And then not only the spectators, then, then there's also the haters. The, those are the, the ones in the crowd who despise Jesus, and they try to hinder his ministry. The Pharisees are like that. They basically, they're saying, you know, stop them worshiping Jesus. Stop it. We don't need any of that. You know? And then Jesus corrects them, you know, if you, if you stop them, I'll tell you, the rocks will cry out. Nature will cry out itself. Rocks, inanimate objects with no cell division. It's just inanimate organic rock or inorganic material. It's going to cry out. It's going to speak. It's going to declare who I am. Not to be confused, okay, I say it's impossible to claim love for God and yet harm God's people or God's church. The haters, you you know, they don't like, and I understand that there's, let me just say this, there's two different kinds of haters. There are some people that have been raised in a religious upbringing and they have been hurt by it. And so the concept of coming to church or being in church or following the Lord sounds like a bunch of rules and regulations. They don't understand the dynamic life in it. And so it's so, it's just the concept of going to church is hurtful for them. How many have come from that background? Come on. And, and you know, you, Stephen, the thought of coming to church or anyone telling you what to do, not that we ever tell people what to do, but you know what I mean. You come into a place and you're going, okay, you know, I'm just going to go and I'm going to leave. You know, don't, you know, I'm not talking about that person in this hater. That person has just got hurt that they're working through. You know, religion can be very painful for people. You know, they get controlled by somebody, someone tells them something and they don't follow through, whatever it is. It can can happen at a company, but it can happen at a church. But it's more important in a church when it happens to you because it stands for a religious or some authority that comes from the Lord. You're thinking, "Uh, I don't know what I can trust anymore. I get it. There's no condemnation if you're struggling with that. But if you start to rethink that the church is God's people, amen, it's his people. We're the church. We're not the organization. We're the people. We're the church. We're the group. Watching that youth group in there, you know, seeing the videos over there, guess what? They're like a little church, aren't they? Right? And, and we're a part of them. We're, we're here that supposed to, we mentor them and we want to be available to them and we want to encourage them. But, but, they're, but they're leaders and pastors. They're like the pastors and shepherds. They're the ones talking with them and encouraging them and develop. It's like a, like a mini church. Our, our small groups are like a church. We're, we're like a, we don't need to be the haters, right? 
And, th- and that's what it is. We don't want that. It says, you know, people have been hurt by religion in God's name, but not actually really God. Trust me, if you've been hurt by religion in some way, it's like the Pharisees. It's not the Lord that was coming after you. And don't lump it in to every single person. You know, I grew up in Los Angeles in the inner city. And I had a lot of prejudice, a lot of prejudice. Because I had this group and that group and I had problems with them. And I remember when the Lord started healing me about, you know, 25 years ago. He started, started thinking, you, you can't hate a whole group just because you've been hurt by a few people in the group. This is important, isn't it? It's important that we have open hearts. And then there are not only the spectators and the haters, but they're the traitors. Those in the crowd, you like those rhymes? You can tell I spent five minutes on that. (laughs) Those in the crowd who are for Jesus when it's convenient. You know, like, like there's a bunch of people that shouted when Jesus comes in, and it's kind of like, What's your best opportunity? This is, this is a good opportunity. Things are going well. I'll, I'll kind of participate in it. But if anything starts to go wrong, then, you know, or there's a better opportunity, then I'll go there. You can't, God doesn't want us to do that in our relationships. I think he really values loyalty. I really do. My own study of who the Lord is, I think one of the most important things that he values in himself is how loyal he is and how he looks for that in people that he's delivering and saving. How many want to be loyal to God? I mean, just the loyalty. I really believe the Lord loves that. It's, it's not going to save us. Our loyalty doesn't save us. I think it's like an extra blessing. You know, there's a, a great pastor in New York. Um, gosh, I can't remember his name now. just passed away. Um, Cross and the Switchblade. Who? David Wilkerson. He was talking, I remember him sharing, he was talking about the roots of the tree, or the roots of the uh, a tree that go way down, that, that they send a secretion of, of actually, it's an actual uh, pulse that goes up to the rest of the branch and the, the vine. So the, the bottom goes up, and then he says there's actually something in the leaves that go back to the actual branch. It's, it's like a little pulse. And, and they call it in the gardening business, a blessing that comes back. It, it doesn't make the tree grow any better. The tree doesn't need it, but it just blesses the tree. And, and, I, and I thought, when I, when I first heard him say that, I thought to myself, first of all, I, I looked it up to make sure it was right. And then, and then when, I, when I confirmed it, I thought, wow, that is so cool. And then the Lord just started showing me, you know, there's times when I bless him or that I want to just say, Lord, I, I'm, I love you. I love who you are. And you don't need this, like it's going to make you a stronger God, but it's going to bless you. It's just, it's just going to be a, an enc- like, a, like an encouragement to you, like the Lord being blessed in his creation, like yes, like, like almost like the Lord saying, thank you for saying that. I want to bless the Lord. I want to be a blessing to the Lord. I do. And I do, I think, I think traitors appear loyal when they're in the church. I'm, I'm there. And, or when they're in religious settings or that when they're in public, you know, I, I'm right there. And I'm a good upstanding. But in deep, in dark places, they know that there's a counterfeit. And, you know, as Josh said in his testimony, you don't have to pretend like that's not true. 
How many know that God saves traitors? Right? And this, he's good. And then, I love this one, the procrastinators. Those in the crowd, they put off commitment to following Jesus. They'll see it. They'll come to his triumphal entry. And there he comes into the city, you know, and the palm branches are there. And then Jesus is going to be crucified. The early church is going to grow. And they're going to be going, ah, I'll wait. I'll wait to see what happens. You know, it's kind of like the new operating system comes into the software and you're going, ah, there might be some bugs. I better not get involved yet. Right? I better wait until the, the new software is in and then I see it proved. And then, then the next batch of software comes in and pretty soon there's been four. You know, you're on like Windows 9.5 and you're on Windows 3.2 right? in your walk with God. And some of you have been that way where the Lord told you to answer some call five years ago. And you go, yeah, I'm going to do it. But you procrastinated. And I want to encourage you. God can redeem your procrastination in one second. He could just turn, you just, you just make that switch and go, Lord, I'm going to do it today. I'm going to walk with you today. I'm going to answer that call. I'm going to put you first in my resources. I'm going to offer my service to you. In one second, God can just turn that around and goes, oh, it's all washed clean. And don't, don't forget, he's doing this, this triumphal entry and they're clapping and they're putting the palm branches down isn't just for him. It's for them. He is proclaiming it to them, for them. This is what's so great about it. Procrastination. I I say Jesus um, gives pockets of their life that may benefit, but will reject him if their worldly concerns or comforts take priority. All right. And then the last one, I already mentioned it, but that is the religious imitators. So all the taters, right? And and the, the Pharisees of the crowd say, teacher, rebuke your disciples. You know, they're, they're praising you. They're worshiping. And he says, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones were, would cry out. And, and trust me, those Pharisees, they stand for all the people that put their hope in their rule books and their religious ordinances. Oh, like oh, section 1.5 says that the sanctuary code of the church needs to be confirmed by a group of elders of 2.3. Okay, thank you. But what about the people who just got saved and are just living and don't need to conform to the David's book of bylaws or whatever it is? And I get there are important things to corporations and all that stuff, but do you think they had all that in the New Testament? I don't think so. I think the excitement... So I'm going to give you five things on how to walk with, with Jesus and welcome him. Everyone say amen. amen. Um, how many want to grow today? Come on. Okay. The first thing, and this is, this is just my own observation going to the text, is I need to give Jesus my donkey. Amen. That's just the first thing. It's just right there in the text. And they brought it, the donkey, to Jesus, okay? They bring it to him, and they're about to crown him. But I think that there's significance to this donkey. If you see all the things that this donkey with Balaam has signified, how many know we all have a donkey in our life, okay? And, and that donkey of mine, you know, which wants to be the star of the show at certain times, it, it, I need to be able to bring that donkey, that ride of mine, I need to be able to give it to the Lord, Give Jesus your donkey and substitute it for him being king. Amen? Number two, I welcome Jesus as, say it with me, say, my victor. 
Not the victor, not a victory, not a conquering king. He's the conquering king. Say it. Say, my victor. My champion. My champion. He is my champion. My champion saved and rescued me. He saved me. He rescued me. And they brought the donkey, it, to Jesus. And they threw their cloaks and colts on the colt and put Jesus on it. You're going to see in the scripture that this is declaring him as king. But Victor, he's coming through this town and they're throwing it and saying, all right, get up on this donkey. You are the answer to us. You have championed this. This is what the conquering kings would do when they'd walk into a city that they had ruled. And we're not talking about, wow, Jesus won Jerusalem. No, he's fulfilling this messianic, messianic prophecy of David that he would bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That, that means at that time, he was thinking of us. In his mind, God, at that time, Jesus entering into Jerusalem was thinking of us. Think how significant that is. So I, I let Jesus, I give him my donkey, and then I welcome him as my victor. Do I hear amen? amen. Number three, I proclaim Jesus as king of my road. I know there's that song, King of the Road. I won't sing it. Thank you. No, I'll just sing it once. Go ahead, hit the music. I'm just kidding. Jesus rides along and people spread their cloaks on the road. There is a road that we're traveling ourselves. I love that concept of the road less traveled. That we walk one that fits who we are it answers the call of God. And you see, as Jesus rides along, people spread their cloaks on the road. First of all, they put the cloaks on the donkey. Then they put them on there, just declaring him, he's the victorious one. And this is Jesus. He's prophesied this whole thing. It's coming true from Zechariah. And now he's fulfilling it. He's the conquering one. He's the king. And now we don't just want him to be the general king, but I want Jesus in the road of my life that I walk. This Jerusalem is representation of where the people lived. It's the headquarters. I want God to be in my headquarters, and I want him to have the freedom to come in on the donkey of my life. And I want him to be able to say, I am the Lord, and I've conquered this thing. I need his confidence, don't you? And I want him to be reign. And, I, and again, I don't want him to be the king of the road, just like I don't want him to be the conqueror. I want him to be my conqueror. And I want him to not only be the conqueror for what he's done, but I want him to conquer sin and death in my own life. And I, want, I don't want him to be just king of the road or a road or the Jerusalem road. I want him to be the king of my road. Where I live, where I'll go. You see that scripture where they took the cloaks and spread them under him, Jehu, in the bare steps. Then they blew the trumpet and shouted, Jehu is king. Can you say that? Can you say in your own heart and say, Jesus is king of my life. He's king of my road. You know, next week we're going to talk about the death and resurrection of Christ. There's nothing more significant in all of history. Not because it's a religious event, but what it accomplished. And how you'll see next week that it is the only way that it could have been accomplished. There could have been no other thing that he could have done to accomplish what he accomplished. 
anything else, with anything to the left or to the right or up or down, anything that would not have been exactly what it was, we would have died in our sins and lived eternally separate from God and it would have been the right thing to do on God's behalf. How many want to proclaim Jesus king of your road? Come on. Number four, then I just got one after this. I embrace Jesus as he approaches. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God. It's like, there's Jesus. And the whole crowd, some of them are going, oh, what's going on? Who's this going on? Because they've heard about the miracles, but again, some are spectators, some are imitators, you know, some are procrastinators and haters. But the disciples... The, the ones that are the Christ imitators, all of a sudden they get called into this. And as he draws near, the worship increases. Listen, the Lord is always drawing near in my life. I, I approach a new thing in my life and he starts to draw near, he starts to approach. I either start to resist him, which is my natural tendency. Do I hear an amen there? Anyone the same like me? I start to resist him. No, Lord, I don't need you in that, my, that area of my life. I got that one down. <laughs> don't worry about it. And how many know that Jesus doesn't slow down? He just, he approaches these areas in my life. And then my response is, praise God. I learned this from my wife. Because my wife, we'll go through the hardest trial. And I, how many have heard that song? I praise you in this storm. That one? That's such a great song except that I hate singing it because that means I'm in a storm, right? Like, give me a song. I praise you in this prosperity where everything is great. There are no trials and I don't see any up ahead. It's been 20 years. There's been no problems in my life. That's the song I want to sing, right? How many with me? Come on. But no, they got to write these stupid songs. I praise you when it's terrible and there's raining and thunder and death again. I'm about to get crushed, <laughs> but I'm singing hallelujah. <laughs> we need to get some new songwriters, okay? We need to get rid of the depressing ones, get the good ones in. But, but listen, my, my wife really taught me. She goes, Eric, she goes, if you, I, I remember because she, she really discipled me as a young Christian. And she'd always tell me, she goes, Eric, right now, it's a hard time. And what you're thinking is, this is what it's like. This is what my life is like, this hard time. But she goes, eventually you're going to see God's redemption, what he's done. She goes, so instead of waiting, she goes, why don't you just praise him now? And I go, because that's stupid. (laughs) When it's all done, then I'll praise him when I feel better. And so I stuck to my guns for a couple years. <laughs> and how many know that didn't work out well? <laughs> and that's why I married up. And, and I remember the very first time when the Lord challenged me and he started saying, you've seen me take you through this. You've seen my victorious entry into your life before. You've seen it. Why don't you praise me now? And then your attitude won't go south and then north and south and east and west and north and south. And I'm going, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. God's got this. And all of a sudden, I noticed that my trials seemed shorter. And they, there was more power in, within the trial too. 
my attitude was better. I had more of a godly influence around others. And, and this, this coming, as Jesus approaches and comes near, he makes us excited. There's a, there's a natural thing. Here comes Jesus, the conquering, victorious king, the Lord. And it says, they shouted with a loud voice all the mighty works that they had seen. Look at, look what the Lord has done. Look at all the miracles that he's done. I just put two notes just for myself. I, for, this is just for me. I said, God approaches my typical day and he interrupts it. He approaches my devoted things. He comes near to my devoted things, things I care about, and he surpasses them. He always shows me that he's greater. And here's the last one, is I follow Jesus, King Jesus, as my Lord. This is a significant statement. This is the culmination of the scripture. They shouted, they said, they spoke, they sang. Blessed is the king. Blessed is the king. He's the one who's blessed. Blessed one. Blessed savior. Blessed. Do you understand that this road to the cross, that in his joy, he triumphed and faced the cross? That God specifically said it was his joy? Why? Oh, it's going to be really fun to be crucified. You think that was the joy? Or do you think the joy was saying, these people are now going to be with me forever? And he saw our faces. He saw our souls. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. He represents God, the Lord. That's that tetragrammatron from the Hebrew, the Yahweh, the four letters of the, you know, representation of God is Jesus comes in the name of Yahweh. He is the Lord. He has been manifest and he's coming now on his final entry, which we'll talk about next week. He ushers in to our lives into Jerusalem and he says, now I am the victorious one. I bet at this time they thought, he's going to become the king. He's going to take over. He's going to be the ruler. Oh my gosh. And he comes to die, to take our place, to take our sin. And you may not feel forgiven today, but I declare to you because the victory of God, you are forgiven completely in the name of the Lord. And it comes in the name of the Lord. It's by the goodness and by the blessing of the name of the Lord. And listen, he quotes, this is the last line I close. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. How, how many recognize that from the Christmas story? Right? Peace and glory. Listen, if you're a kid listening to me, how many of you need the grace of God? How many know you, keep your hand up. How many know your parents need grace too? Okay. Parents, how many need grace in your parenting? Come on. Come on. Some, I see some of the parents who have older kids. Come on, raise your hand a little by two hands and say, Lord, I need grace in my parenting. I need grace in my life. And just close your eyes and join me in prayer with hands lifted. Father, we thank you and declare to you with hands lifted up. And just speak it to him. Just say, you are the king. Lord, you have conquered sin and death. I welcome you to the road of my life. I want you to drive freely. Lord, blessed is your name. Can you say to him, Lord, 
Father, you sent Jesus. He comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings to you. I can count on it. Thank you for your salvation. And Lord, we lift up those that we may invite for Easter next week. Lord, this is such a great opportunity to invite people who've never heard your gospel and its truth. Lord, show us who to bring. Show us who to invite. In Jesus' name, if you agree, can you say amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. How many got something from the Lord this morning? Amen. Praise your name, Lord.